and welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, 23rd of February. Morning, Phil. How are you doing? Hey, very good, Andrew. Yes, we've had a had a good week, as they say. Uh, yeah, we've had a good week, really, because we su- su- successfully concluded, uh, I suppose whether you want to call it last night or this morning, a uh, fundraise for Infinity Energy Systems. Uh, we raised £19 million plus an additional subscription of £2.5 million from Everbright, which is a Taiwanese company that wants to basically uh, do the distribution of vanadium flow batteries across the whole of Taiwan. And we launched an open offer for £4 million, which judging by the phone calls I've been getting today, will probably be taken up in full. So in other words, we've probably raised in total about £25 million for Infinity Energy Systems, uh, which allows them to go an awful long way. Certainly it will allow them basically get to commercial release date with um, as they put it, their uh, major European supplier that everybody knows is Siemens Gamesa, um, and the launch of Mistral. And we believe that once Mistral is launched, because basically the levelized cost of, of storage comes down to uh, about $50 a megawatt hour, which is basically the same as it would be if you were using gas, i.e. the solar and the, the battery, which would be actually combined about 80, um, it will become the cheapest form of energy out there because it'll be basically below gas. Uh, and therefore, I mean, in our view, the whole world, and I've said this many times, will go to SWV, solar wind batteries, and vanadium flow batteries will be a large part of it. You are talking gigawatts, hundreds of gigawatts of batteries. The problem that Infinity are gonna have is, is not a uh, demand issue. Demand is gonna way outstrip supply. What they've got to do now is get on and get people, outsource all the manufacturing, so that they can produce literally gigawatts of this stuff. Uh, I think it's incredibly exciting. Clearly, the stock has been disappointing. We did the placing at 32p. The market sort of saw it coming. Um, you know, Phil, I think you're looking next year for revenue of about just over 50 million. Uh, I don't think you have a forecast yet for 25, but I know that Canaccord, I think, have a forecast out there of about 115 million for 2025. When you've got revenue like that and the market cap sitting down here as we are today, about like 35 million, it's absolutely ludicrous. I think this stock's going to be a phenomenal performer over the next two years. I mean, to me, it'll end up as a billion pound company. Uh, there's a fantastic opportunity here for investors to really make a lot of money, in my view. Uh, I know I've said it many a time before, but, you know, it's a bit like uh, the dot-com boom. Everything rushes up. People think it'll all happen in six months. It never does. So it all comes crashing back down again. But then, as we know, after the dot-com boom and then the dot-com crash, if you then followed those tech stocks, the bangs and things like that, over the next 10 years, they were tremendous performers. And I think you'll see exactly the same thing here. Yeah. Uh, have you got anything you'd like to add on that, Phil? Um, you know, frank, frankly, no. But it, other than to say it's, uh, well, firstly, you know, I think we, we are doing a superb job in supporting um uk advanced engineering here but also you know just in terms of the market opportunity um there was data out from the international energy agency the iea in the states hugely respected uh, government body um and they have said that to decarbonize electricity globally the world's energy storage capacity must increase by a factor of 40 fold 40 fold by 2030 reaching a total of 700 gigawatts it's yeah, a huge I mean, market, huge market opportunity. LDES, as it's known, long duration energy storage, is probably one of the biggest growth areas in the world at the moment. 
And this is the way to get exposure to it and get exposure to it at literally rock bottom prices. Yeah, yeah. We can say no more. If you don't believe us, so be it. There we are. Right. Go on, Andrew. What have you? Well, the other one that maybe we should mention in our sort of preamble is on Monday, Silverwood put out an RNS, and actually we as VSA had to also sort of match that RNS because we have a big position in Silverwood because we took um, a fee in stock, uh, announced that um, the transfer they were doing between Andrew Gary and his wife, Alison, to Silverwood of their stock, uh, Lush have, have declined to register the transfer. Now, we need to be careful not to get into any legal situations, probably will go legal. It sort of doesn't matter, actually, because, you know, uh, the commercial interest has already moved across and is going to stay across. Andrew Gary just becomes a nominee name. We're all used to nominee names. I mean, I bet you hold all your stocks that you own, Phil, all, all the millions of them in a nominee name. <laughs> I own all mine in a nominee. Everybody actually owns yeah. all their stock in a nominee name. So actually, it's just like holding it in a nominee name. So it's happened. You've got a question, and we did say it in, in the VSRNS, why a company that claims to be ethical and morally correct, et cetera, et cetera, is behaving in what would appear to be a very unethical and immoral way and are clearly prejudiced towards a minority shareholder. Um, we actually do know a lot about this situation. And actually, just to quote, it was in the Sunday Times uh, about three months ago where they did run an article in the Sunday Times which pointed out that the Employee Benefit Trust for Lush always declines its dividends, which is, uh, yeah, dividends are paid out to, the, to the, the, the founder, Mark Constantine, and the other shareholders. You've got a question. Are there really no employees at Lush in the current environment that maybe have a little bit of hardship that could really benefit from that dividend? I mean, why is he turning down that dividend? It, it's, it's Again, that just doesn't feel ethical or moral. And there's, there's clearly, to, to use a bit of a pun, something smells here. Um, you know, is it a Gerald Ratner? Is it a Philip Green? There's something not quite right. I'm going to be careful what I say, um, but watch this space because I suspect this is going to blow up in the in the public markets, probably in the newspapers. And you know, we know when Gerald Ratner said that you know one of his bits of jewellery was frankly the same price as a prawn sandwich. It was the end of Gerald Ratner. I can see a similar situation happening here. Actually, whilst we're on our corporates, we should also mention that actually uh, we had a trading statement out of Samarkand, which was actually very upbeat, really, um, because obviously what they're reporting on now is that what they're starting to see as China comes out of its zero COVID policy, um, that things are starting to pick up in China. You know, it wasn't their fault that zero COVID took place. You can't blame them for that. It clearly did have an impact on their business, but things are now starting to pick up nicely. Uh, unfortunately, the share price isn't picking up. Um, so that also actually to me looks pretty interesting if people want to have a, a play on the recovery in china of the consumer uh buying brands then samarkand to me looks like a very interesting opportunity to get involved in yeah yeah it does and i, I mean they've stated that they're moving into profit as well so yeah well well worth a, a look at something global yeah and um you know we we've seen i don't know if you saw this week uh we had uh who's it trips from in silica which uh tickers at ensi 75 million market cap um and this is a yeah this is a semiconductor design house so fa it's fably uh fabulous semiconductors so they don't manufacture the actual chips uh, they design them um but they 
to uh, specialise in radio frequency chips or ASIC designs, but but the technology they're designing is really advanced stuff. Um, a lot of applications in particularly, uh, I think, industrial healthcare or automotive, so a wide range of applications. Uh, and they had interim results and they generated 8.6 million in revenue versus 7 million in revenue, up 23%. Um, moved into profit from a small loss and profit about 0.7 million. But the, the, what's interesting for me in this is their order bookings. Uh, and they really are, these guys are winning business. And like, you know, like our client Infinity is, they're winning orders here across automotive industrial satellite comms. Um, they won a $30 million contract with an industrial OEM, not announced in July, but last week they announced a 5 million euro contract uh, for a, a satellite broadband user terminals. And they've got a pipeline of 250 million pounds. So I thought that was pretty positive and the shares would be moving positively. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's in silica that we saw. Um, another one, Andrew, you're pretty familiar with is GB Group. Um, no, don't. Hey, well, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to. <laughs> my mother owns them in her own IHT portfolio. She's not happy. <laughs> right. Well, they're the trade. They're the trading update. GBG is the ticker. Uh, it's on a March year end, um, and they had said that uh, in their interim results in November, they've reported that they they'd seen you know. It, and markets are impacted uh, in terms of their identity services, um, where they see changing conditions in crypto, um, but also in, in from e-commerce companies. Now, their GB Group's all about identity. Uh, they have access to different global databases from experienced credit card companies, credit card companies, all sorts of databases, put it all together, and they have uh, whole people's identities. Crypto. E-commerce, whatever identifying you, you know, want to confirm identities of new customers can use their software. So that's the sort of customer base, but they've seen, seen weaknesses. They've also gone on to say in the trading update, challenging conditions have continued in the second half. Um, and then they've said they're expecting revenue for the full year of £279 million. Pounds, um, and various deductions involved, but pro forma revenue, uh, cost of currency growth of 4%. Operating profits of 60 million, the margin 21.5%. Um, I mean, I <laughs> they're saying here that they're expecting uh, cost of currency revenue growth like to improve gradually uh, towards high single digits, like part of the year, strong control of costs, and F24 improving. So, Lord Andrew, yes, it's not been good, um, but seems to be on you know gradually improving so always a good time to have a fresh look at things me thinks yeah i mean the trouble is that there was a bid you know sort of four months ago at about six pounds something and that didn't happen for some reason i mean the bloody thing was over 10 it's now down it's it's, it was very frustrating it's the only bit of good news was um that Richard Longdon bought um, about £100,000 worth of stock uh, on Tuesday. Um, so maybe that's the first bit of positive news about to come out. It will be. He's there. Is Richard Longdon the, is the chairman, Andrew? Uh, is he chairman or CEO? He's a director yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's director. So he had to announce it, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, he's important. <laughs> well, he is. Anyway, moving on, moving on swiftly. Um, RWS Holdings, uh, one we've discussed before, it's 1.4 billion market cap. RWS is the ticker. 
Um, and this is in, I, and I used to cover SDL, which uh, RWS acquired. This is in the super area. It's language services. Um, and that is all about language translation. And, you know, part of it you can do with Google Translate software, but also you have to complement the software translation with, of course, human translation because you have to get everything into context. Uh, it's still not fully automated. Um, and they, you know, in terms of their, they, they translate across 250 languages. They're supplying, you know, it's global organizations and they kind of split their business between language services, regulated industries. Um, and then they have IP services, uh, but the regulated industries, for instance, is, is you know, that's life sciences, managed healthcare, uh, legal financial services. So big blue chip, you know, big blue chip customers. Um, and they had an AGM trading update. Uh, and it's saying that uh, as a full year, they're saying that uh, they delivered another set, uh, robust uh, set of results for 22. Um, this is against continued economic uncertainty, so clearly their customers are, are certainly spending with them. Uh, cash generative, profitable growth in line of market expectations for after that. Um, and their continuing unbroken record of dividend growth um, for your outlook uh, in line. So, you know, all in all, that does look um uh, Pretty pretty decent set of results. And just looking at their, you know, the valuation on this one, not going to come as an analyst, but just to, you know, for folks to do their own homework, it's on EV revenue multiple of 1.76 times one of 1.68, EV bit data 7.9 or 7.2. That I think is essentially uh, worth a look. Yeah, it doesn't sound expensive, does it? No, no. Now, there's been quite a lot of results today, so keep rattling through. Not today, this week. Keep rattling through. <laughs> I'll keep, I'll keep going. Right now, this, now this one is. Uh, I have to say, for any sort of analysis point of view, uh, you really do need to cover properly to, to have a have a view. But nonetheless, it's our biggest defence manufacturer, BAE Systems, um, twenty-eight billion market cap. BAE is the ticker. Uh, they have year-end uh, results, um, and this one is paying a two point eight percent div. Um, EV revenue of 1.4 at times, and EV EBITDA of 10 times 4 to 9.6. Um, but what, look, it's defence, right? And obviously the environment is uh, very good for defence. Um, and they pointed to record order intake of 37.1 uh, billion pounds. Order intake took the backlog to 58.9 billion. Sales up by 4.4%, uh, free cash flow of 2 billion, exceeded expectations. Always like to see strong cash. Um, they made a few comments on here on some of these spaces of interest to us, actually. Um, just in terms of aerospace, which, you know, be a system is a specialist area for them. They said that uh, maintained electronic warfare deliveries cost the F-35, F-15, you know, fighter aircraft. Um, this was quite interesting. They were selected to design energy management components for GC Aviation's um, hybrid electric propulsion systems supporting NASA's electrified Power, powertrain flight. Now we know that equipment, our corporate clients, is they're involved in electrified uh, aerospace and develop motors for it. So here you've got BAE involved in this space as space as well, um, and also related to another of our corporate clients, Pressure Technologies. Well, I, you go on, sorry, Andrew. Yeah, before you go, because I mean, is BAE Systems? Is that tech or is that industrial? But no need to answer that question because, of course, the other one that also, yeah. I mean, BAE Systems is actually down today because although it was pretty good, they weren't up necessarily more upbeat. What was interesting was Rolls-Royce, which is similar. Yeah. Also, by the way, does electric aircraft. Um, 
Now, they had results today. And what's interesting is if you've been reading the press the last six months, you'd have thought the results today were going to be horrific because they've been laying horror stories out there. Yeah. They come out today. Of course, the figures are actually bloody good. Um, so with Rolls-Royce, the stock, instead of actually coming off a little bit, is, believe it or not, it's up, up 22%. Um, so it's all about how you lay the ground beforehand, beating expectations or not beating expectations. And they, <laughs> they clearly tricked us a little bit, did a bit of a fool. New new management in after Warren East sort of retired, came oh, in, sure. claimed it was all a horror show, and actually it wasn't. <laughs> uh, so actually, I think that good move is all down to Warren East. I, I put all the credit to him. Well, there you go. Yeah, anyway, yeah. sorry, I probably interrupted you there. You were carry on. I'll, I'll yeah, shut no, up again. But that, but that is a that is a fair view. No, I carry all this doom and gloom about Rolls Royce. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's a that's a fair observation, now, Andrew. I was just going to say about BAE was they see that you know they manufacture submarines, some of those complex engineering that you can do and and huge projects. Um, and they are the you know the, they're the manufacturer of the astute submarine um, and on the astute boats uh, our client pressure technologies pres is a ticker supplies the uh, the huge cylinders that go into the submarines to con control the air systems um, but they said that uh, the astute boat 5 hms answer next did their barrow shipyard to commence sea trials in february so there's a bit of news bit of news on that there um but submarines and aircraft carriers did you also see that in this TV program tour of duty. I haven't seen it yet. I want to go and watch this actually. But apparently, a F-35 was um, flying off the the flight deck, yeah, and the yeah. power stopped or whatever. They think that I don't know some an engine cover was it was left yeah, on, was yeah. and the guy ejected just within seconds. So one hundred million dollar F-35 went to the bottom of the sea. Uh, oh my God! Thank God! Well, thank God he thank God he got out. Well, well, all I can say is that there's what's your phrase? There's, there's a lot more F-35s where that came from, and they they said that they are producing F-35s at full rate levels, with 150 assemblies completed uh, this year. So they right there we go. Moving on, let's just move on swiftly. Um, Spectris, SXS is the ticker. It's a 3.3 billion market cap company. Um, that get you know I used to get again used as an analyst used to follow this one. This one's a fascinating company because it's in it's in advanced instrumentation and test equipment. So it's exposed to all a lot of sectors. Um, you know, in business, it supplies globally. So so in some ways it's quite a good indicator of just what is going on generally in terms of industrial uh, equipment spend. Uh, and this thing is packed with technology um, and software as well. And so they, what was quite interesting here, they have said uh, in their results that um, they had seen sales growth of 14% uh, on a like-for-like -like basis. Um, and it was, it, it was quite interesting this because firstly, it was a mix of volume growth and pricing because you don't want all the growth to be inflation price rises. But they gave a breakdown in um, sales by sector. And, they, and this is well worth investors take, taking, you know, our listeners taking a look at actually. Because they cover life sciences, technology, automotive, electronics, semiconductor, metals and mining, because they do handheld uh, x-ray analysis tools in metals and mining, academic research. They do lots in drug discovery, instrumentation there for looking at drug compositions. So worth having a look at how they've, uh, and they've, all these sales that they've had are more or less nearly double digit growth, which is which is quite interesting in terms of sort of capital spend. They also said that supply chain disruption 
uh, and significant material inflation impacted gross margins in the first half, but in the second half, they saw reducing supply chain disruption and slowing material inflation, which is something that we've been looking out for and improved gross margins. Uh, and overall for the year, the operating margins were up to about 16.8%. Record order books up 36% year on, on year. Uh, and they made a large, uh, large disposals and did it, well, the, the disposal of Omega um, instruments, so I remember them acquiring that for about 400 million, did a share buyback. So things seem to be moving <coughs> quite well forward for um, for Spectris and they offer the dividend as well. Very good. Um, did you spot uh, TT Electronics this morning? Nope. I spotted having trans. So tell me, tell us about TT. I just wanted to catch you <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, every week I like to get one in the um, scene. <laughs> yep. Actually, TT Electronics was at top end of market expectations or above. So well done then. Yeah. Uh, that's electronics, as I reckon, for uh, involved in uh, aerospace electronics, I think. It's one of their areas, as well as automotive. But in oh, the right. meantime, go on, you can have having trans. I like having trans because the chairman is, is my friend, Roger McDowell, and he, he's very talented and very capable. <laughs> OK, well, within that context, Andrew, careful what I say. No, you better say nice things. Yeah, I think I get the message there. Right, so having trans, uh, Tigers AVG, market cap's £120, um, £23 million. Pounds. It's a May year end. Um, and it is uh, an, an engineering group, bit of an understatement here, designs, manufactures, supplies, original equipment systems. Right, so the, look, the sectors that's involved are in energy, medical and industrials, um, and they, you know, they supply, they, they own Haywood Tyler, which is a, which is a pumps company, it's been around for, for many, many years. Um, but it supplies pumps into power stations, but particularly into nuclear power stations, and also subsea pumps for oil infrastructure. And so it has nuclear approvals, it supplies in states. Um, and they've, they've been investing more recently in medical, uh, advanced medical technologies, uh, particularly 3D um, X-ray tech and MRI related technologies. So um, they reported their uh, interim results in November. Remember, it's a May year end. The revenue was up to 50 million from 44.5 million. Um, the gross margins, as I said, reduced marginally 32.6% from 33.9%. Uh, and that was on sort of end business mix. But, uh, you know, importantly, the EBITDA, the profitability was up by 11.4% uh, to 6.4 million. And this company has cash. Uh, so their cash was uh, 17.3 million. Up from 16.7, but this is after further investments in the MRI technology company Magnetica, uh, but also Adaptix, which is 3D X-ray tech, uh, and spending on working capital as well. So that all looked, uh, and young, especially given the inflationary environment, pretty good result. Uh, and they said that uh, you know nuclear sector orders and prospects are increasing, uh, especially in the USA. So this is an interesting one if you want to get exposure to. Um, you know, to the nuclear sector. So, yeah, well done. I've been trans on that. And we love cash. Lots, you never have too much cash. Jack Tamundo. Right. And fi finally, from me, um, and just <laughs> there's not a lot of comment to add to this right now at the moment. This is Dark Trace. Uh, ticker, yeah, this, the, the ticker is uh, DARK, uh, 2 billion market cap. Shares unfortunately down 21% in the last six months. It is um, look at cyber security. 
um, software. Uh, this came under attack from a short seller that issued a report that were questioning Darktrace's accounting methods. And Darktrace have robustly obviously defended uh, defended that, came out with a management statement on the 1st of February. Uh, and further to that, they've said that they've appointed Ernst & Young, the accountants, to provide additional independent third-party review of its financial processes and controls. Um, so uh, they're saying they look forward to the outcome of the review and they are going to report their half-year results um, to the six months ending December on Wednesday the 8th of March. So we look forward to seeing those. It's very interesting this whole uh, issue I think of where people write report or take a position, be it a short position, and then yeah. write a bearish report and throw it out everyone and obviously everyone follows them and therefore they are vulnerable are negatively tipping and they're becoming tipster sheets sort of thing which if you think about it it all started off uh, back in the sort of 80s there were tip sheets and uh, Nigel Ray got them all going and then various other people sort of copied them and basically the the financial regulators sort of banned people from buying stock and then tipping it but actually this is what these people are just doing in negative and there's certain other bloggers with websites and things do exactly the same thing they come out with a, you know, uh, you know, um, ooze all round. Uh, here's a, a negative bear story. The stock's going to zero um, when they're short. Um, I'm not sure it should be allowed. But anyway, it's just an interesting thought. I'll move on from that. Um, Traxis, do you spot that one today? Nope. Oh, a double catch out. This is going to be a great day. Don't worry, Phil, I'll stop after this. Uh, they were actually, the, the trading update was completely in line with expectations. They're very boring. I'll let you off on that one. <laughs> Thank you for that. There Anything else? Or shall we call it a day, though? No, I think we should call it a day. There's been enough uh, enough excitement already for one week. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting next week, Andrew. I'm sure you can never have. You can never have too much excitement. Uh, look, if anybody's got any comments, uh, particularly on Infinity Energy Systems, because I know a lot of people do, they do actually DM me, uh, and I'm very grateful for them. If anybody wants us to talk about anything, anybody disagrees with anything, uh, do just get in contact Contact with us. We're just trying to do our best to give you some ideas and keep you in touch with what's going on. That's the best we can do, but speak next week. Ah, oh, actually, I say we'll speak next week. I'm actually off to Toronto next week. Um... We'll just have to see because I may be able to do it in the morning, um, but we'll work it out and people will find out next week who's actually talking. Absolutely. Well, I'll look forward to it whatever.